Don't want to work forever? Once you can cover your living expenses with passive income, your day job becomes optional and you reach financial independence. You then have complete control over your time, your money, and your life in general. Spark Rental founders Denny Suplee and Brian Davis, me, are here to help you build rental income, ditch your day job, and do what matters most to you. So on that note, let's jump into today's episode, which, like all of our episodes, was recorded live. Brian Davis here, founder of Spark Rental, and I'm super excited to be with you. Today we have a special guest, Mike Morawski from My Core Intentions. Uh, Mike, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, thanks, Brian, for having me. It's an honor to uh, join you today. Absolutely. So we, we have a, a kind of unique conversation today. Uh, Mike's career trajectory has, has taken a very unique path, and I, I think you guys will get a lot out of it. Uh, he's made a lot of money in real estate. He's lost a lot of money in real estate, and he has started over from scratch uh, later in his career in real estate. Um, so, Mike, let's let's rewind the clock to the very beginning of your real estate career and talk about how you got started, you know, how you were funding your deals and some of the mistakes you made and, you know, just the very beginning. Let's, let's rewind to, to, you know, year one in, in Mike Morawski's career. Yeah. So, you know, I love this conversation and especially this part of it because it just kind of goes to show, I think, uh, who I am at the core and, and it's somebody who doesn't give up. Right. And I think that in real estate, real estate's one of those professions you you can't give up in. I think right now we're we're looking at at a housing market that's probably going to fall out here pretty soon. And don't give up. Keep going after it because there's going to be great opportunity. So, uh, you know, I got in real estate. I, I came from a, a construction background. And it was funny because I had a very successful construction company. And I woke up one morning looked at my wife at the time and I said, I can't do this anymore. I was still banging nails. I was uh, going on bids. I was bidding projects. I was pricing projects. I was doing bookkeeping. I was marketing. I was scheduling. I, I was done. I was cooked. And um, I, so sold the company. And thank God I had somebody knocking at the door who wanted to buy my company. And so they bought my company and I took a year off. And, I, uh, and during that year, my wife and I, we house hacked a couple of houses. Now, Brian, this is long before, and you said it earlier, middle age, so go ahead <laughs> asking that. But, uh, you know, long before it was the sexy thing to do, now everybody does it, right? So I house hacked a couple houses, and, and I come from a space. Go well, ahead. Let, me, let me pause you just for a moment, because there's there are a lot of different ways to house hack. So how did you go about house hacking? Yeah, so I bought a two-flat. And we okay. lived in one unit and, you know, renovated the other one and then moved, moved into the other one and renovated that one. So uh, we did that twice over a year. And, you know, I, I thought I took a year off, but I really didn't, you know, <laughs> kind of fun. But, but I come from the school that success leaves clues. I heard uh, Jim Rohn say years ago, if you follow successful people, it'll cut your learning curve and it'll help you be more successful in a shorter yeah. period of time. So I met a real estate agent along the way who was extremely successful at the time. And I went to him and I said, hey, Todd, I, I think I'd like to go in the real estate business. He said, I think you'd be great at it. And he encouraged me to do it. So again, success leaves clues. I go to him and I say, hey, could I shadow you and your team? And he says, no. <laughs> I was a little right, right. <laughs> He said, I'm gonna do better than that. Okay, 
uh, he said, I'll make a cassette tape for you. And I, he made me this cassette tape. It was 45 minutes long and I devoured it. I listened to it over and over and over again. It became my core. It became part of my DNA and who I was. And I, I went into the business and just initiated those fundamentals he taught me on a daily basis, simple daily fundamentals. And my first nine months in the business, I sold 78 houses. I was Remax Rookie of the Year. I went on to build a, a successful team. We were selling 125 listings a year and did that for about 10 years consecutively. Okay. Now, were you investing during this time as well or uh, sticking with just being a real estate agent? Yeah, I was a real estate agent. I, I followed a, a coach trainer back then who one of his mantras was buy your best listing once a quarter. And I probably bought my best listing twice a year. So I was doing a little bit of investing, but not at the scale that I did down the road. Yeah. So, and I want people to take that comment to heat because um, if you're in the real estate business, you should be your best client. You, you really should be buying your, uh, your listings or finding uh, properties to buy. You need to be your best client in the real estate business. Here's the other thing he also said is if you if you're broke and you need money, go buy a piece of real estate. Anyway, <laughs> you already made a commission from it, right? So I like it. So so how did you make the transition to investing more frequently and and eventually? And I don't want to you know get ahead of ourselves here, but you eventually managed a, a fund, right? So so how did how did that transition take place in your career? So you know, ten years, I I you know, built a team. We were very successful. I had seven people working for me. 2005 rolls around and I see the market starting to shift. I see that the housing market getting really out of proportion, very distorted, similar to what I'm seeing today. And I just want people to understand that I see a lot of shades today of what I saw back in 2007 and 2008 and walk cautiously. Don't not invest. Don't not be in real estate. Just walk cautiously. That's all. So, um, you know, as the market started to to un unravel a little bit, I was like, I, I need to go do something different. I'd always wanted to be in the apartment business. When I was in the construction business, I did a lot of work for a couple of large apartment REITs in Chicago. And I understood the model. I understood you raise private equity, you marry it with a great real estate deal. You stay in the middle. As long as everything goes well, everybody makes money. So uh, 2005. I syndicate uh, my first apartment deal. That's where you, you know, find a great real estate deal and bring private capital to that deal. That's syndicating it where you're bringing a bunch of partners to a deal. And I did my first one in 2005 and I thought, this is great. I'm going to be able to raise a ton of money and, and build a business. And this was an apartment complex. Yeah, it was a small 11 unit deal um, outside of Chicago. And I knew that Chicago wasn't a market that I was going to make money in. So what I did was I, I, I didn't know anything. I came from the residential side into the apartment side. I didn't know anything. I didn't know how, anything about the business. I didn't understand underwriting. I didn't understand the traps. I didn't understand due diligence. I didn't understand exit planning. So I, I needed to learn everything. And I learned it by, by some of the mistakes I made, right? But along the way. So I buy this first deal and, and, you know, I raised capital to do it. I put a little ad in the newspaper that said real estate investors wanted. And when people called me, I said, hey, here's what I'm doing. 
I wound up raising from that $45 ad about $600,000 over the next seven, uh, seven or eight months. It was best investment I ever made. So, um, but yeah, I did that first deal, learned that I wasn't going to make any money in Chicago, that the metric, the fundamentals weren't sound enough. I went to my broker or that I was working with at the time. We crafted a buying strategy, a buying plan, and I went off into other markets. I wound up buying 4,000 apartments. It was five, uh, 4,000 apartments. I raised $18 million. It was $60 million worth of real estate. And we wow. did that in about 30 months. And how and many buildings was that? Oh, it was 38 different properties. Um, okay. You know, I, I, I couldn't even begin to tell you how many buildings. So With 38 properties though. Yes, 38 properties, five markets. Um, and then I also scaled a property management company where we are managing 7,500 units at the time and um, you know, built that out. So uh, Brian, I built a company pretty close to about $100 million in, in uh, value. That's incredible. So the, the, you were syndicating those 38 deals individually or did you start pooling funds? Yeah, I had a couple of small funds where we were paying a higher interest rate in those, um, but that was for fix and flips and, and some you know, short-term capital that we needed. Uh, but those apartment deals were all standalone LLC, you know, offerings. Okay. All right. So, so it, it sounds like everything's going great up to this point. So what, what happened? 2008 happened. Out of Lehman Brothers by the droves. And I look at, at my CFO and I go, we're screwed, aren't we? And he goes, yeah, we're in big trouble. And I did not understand the magnitude of that comment at that point, at that moment. You know, I thought, hey, listen, this is a recession. Recessions last 17 or 18 months. Uh, there's a 10, per, 10 or 12 percent correction in the market. The markets bounce back. We'll be back to normal in a few months. Right. 2010 rolls around and we're still upset. We're more upside down than we were during that conversation. So. Um, I wind up coming off the rails and, and here's what happened is I, I had companies, I had 38 companies, some were very profitable, some were not. And what I started to do was move money from profitable companies to non-profitable companies. Again, I thought this reception had bounced back. My attorney, my uh, accountant, they both said, hey, you can move money, just put it back when the, when the markets change, leave a paper trail so that you do it legally. We did that, we left the paper trail. Here's what I didn't do. I didn't tell my investors that I was moving money. So as a result of non-disclosure, I wind up getting charged on wire fraud and mail fraud charges and sentenced to 10 years in federal prison. Um, and, you know, uh, it, I had a company that I was trying to save that turned upside down that I didn't want any of my investors to get hurt. And you actually, you did go to prison, right? I did. I went to prison in 2013 um, and it was for non-disclosure, right? So because I didn't tell my investors I was moving the money and I was trying to save the company, I always tell people, I say, hey, I never flew private. I didn't have a big boat. I didn't have a fancy car. I was uh, the neighborhood baseball coach. I was the father who went on the field trips with the kids from school. You know, I was home every night for dinner. My wife and I had a great marriage. We were best friends. And I got ripped from that life. 
to uh, live in a room, uh, a 12 by 12 room with three men I didn't know, nor did I like, and had three green outfits and five pairs of underpants wondering what the hell happened to my life. And so um, I was in prison about 17 days thinking my life was over and what was I going to do? And my wife decided she was going to divorce me. And when that happened, it wrecked me. And I walked around wondering, you know, how am I going to get through today, much less 10 years of this? And, you know, we all have these defining moments, right? So I, I was in prison about six weeks and I walk in the gym. And, and here's what I always tell people. I say I was just window shopping. I wasn't looking to buy anything. I'd gone from running marathons to being 35 pounds overweight and hating myself. And I walk in the gym and this guy walks up to me and he says, hey, don't let these people beat you. All they want to do is take from you everything you've ever known. They can take your money. They can take your real estate. They can take your business. They can destroy your family. But what they can't take is who you are. So get that 10 years back. Come to the gym. Start working out. Start losing weight. You'll start feeling better about yourself. And I did that. And uh, before I knew it, I'm losing weight. I'm feeling better. I wind up going to college. I get a bachelor's degree in theology. I write two books. One is Exit Plan. Um, that's your complete guide to multifamily investing and why you need an exit plan before you buy it. Love to give all your listeners a copy at the end of the show. Um, and, and I wrote a book on property management. I also wrote a, a ethics course. I taught real estate investing, property management, and ethics in prison for six years. I was on an outreach program, went into the community, told my story, you know, 40 times to local businesses and small business owners. I met a professor from the University of Minnesota, and he and I co-authored a paper in the Business Journal of Ethics. To get, or it got published this year in the Business Journal of Ethics. Wow. And it was an ethics case study, and it gets taught today at the collegiate level. So I really made some changes and some shifts. Today I'm in the coaching and training space teaching multifamily investors how to scale their business but live a quality lifestyle. So when, when did you leave prison? I came home the week they closed the world down for the pandemic. Oh, wow. <laughs> Talk about timing. Yeah. Uh, so, so you got out. Now, your, um, your real estate portfolio, was that taken away? We had actually done, prior to being indicted, we had done what's called a voluntary, uh, uh, voluntary receivership. So it's similar to going bankrupt, but you don't go bankrupt. We voluntarily turned all of the assets over to a receiver that typically would get appointed, appointed by a court, but we didn't go through the court process. We just did it on our own. I often tell people, I say, hey, you want to go into business? Go into the receivership business. It's legal theft. <laughs> what you pay a receiver and what a receiver gets paid for managing real estate, man, you can work your way out of a hole for what you pay them. So, but you also had some personal properties too, right? Beyond the syndication deals that you had done. So did those stay with you or uh, did you lose those along the way? So what's interesting is, um, you know, kind of, I always say hindsight's twenty twenty, but I'd always thought about asset protection and protecting my personal wealth, right? Like the personal house I live in, my personal assets, trying to keep two or three arms lengths away from my business operations. 
And I did pretty good at setting that up over the years. And so um, my ex-wife, you know, still has some of that real estate today. And I built a property management company before I went to prison. The day I got indicted, um, you know, I looked at my wife and I said, hey, you know, I'm going to go to prison. We, We don't know for how long. And um, we have two choices. I can either build a small company for you that you can run and keep you and the kids in the house, or um, I can, you know, give you an envelope with some money in it and you're going to wind up having to have to go get a job. So I built a property management company that she actually still runs and manages today. Um, Yeah, small residential. uh, When I went to prison, we managed about 220 units. Uh, 220 doors and, and, you know, it was pretty lucrative, you know, scattered site housing uh, deal. So. All right. So, but, but your wife ended up taking most of your personally owned properties. Yeah. So, so you got out of prison and you were basically starting completely from scratch um, real estate wise. And um, so how have you been investing uh, since getting out of prison? Great question, Brian. Uh, so since I've been out, one, you know, I, I talk about this redemption piece, right? I did all this stuff while I was in prison. I came out. Since I've been out, I started my company. I've, I've done a number of live events. I published a book. I am in the coaching business. I coach people. Um, got approved by uh, the Illinois Real Estate Board to go back and get my real estate license. I chose not to because I don't need it for what I do. Okay. I just wanted to know that I could get approved if I wanted to. Um, I also got approved by the SEC to go back and be a sponsor and an issuer of deals. So we are more syndication deals. Yes, absolutely. So I partner with some of my coaching clients um, that I work with when, you know, when I find a coaching client who is, um, you know, similar in thought process and core values and, and that wants to move the ball forward. We're getting ready to close the deal right now. I, I also went back into the property management business with the coaching client. So um, really have kind of started to evolve and, and move the whole thing around again. So, um, yeah, life's a different place today. And and I want here's what I want people to understand. Look, there's hope and, you know, there's hope in this story. There's inspiration in this story. I had all this success. I lost everything and I'm I didn't, I'm not letting my past define me. I could lay down and not do anything, right? A lot of people do. Absolutely. I was in prison with guys that did. Listen, there were a lot of guys in prison that took my real estate class that are home doing real estate today. I had a leading gang member from a big national gang um, come up to me the night before he went home and said, hey man, if I'd have known I could have made this much money in real estate, I'd have never sold drugs. <laughs> it's a great oh, quote. You know, and and so it, uh, it, you know, just those types of things, you know, where, I, you know, as crappy as it was and going away and my family being fractured and, and my businesses being lost and all the, all the investors that got hurt, I did a lot of good too, you know. And today I'm back, you know, I, my goal today is just to help people learn how to scale a business but not lose sight of what's important. Brian, I'm sure you know as well as I do that in the real estate business, it's really easy to lose perspective and to lose, you know, what's important, right? And no so, question. 
And, you know, one of the things I love about your story is that um, sometimes the most expensive lessons are the ones that you learn the best, right? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I, I, I lost a ton of money in real estate after the, the housing crash in 2008. Um, and I, I turned around and for a long time after that, I wondered, you know, why should anyone listen to me, you know, talk about real estate investing when I lost all this money? And I realized, I just paid a ton of tuition for, for, for my real estate investing education. And I, I learned firsthand, you know, a whole wide range of mistakes that I have not made since. And, and my investments have been way better since then. Um, so there is an enormous value in these past mistakes when you turn around and actually learn from them and keep investing, you know, to, yeah. to circle back around to your point at the very beginning of the episode, Real estate investing is really a game of perseverance. Um, hey, you know, I, I think so many people, Brian, talk about their success, right? But they don't talk about the failure, right? And there's there's a big message in the mistakes that we make. No question. You know, no question. So Christina asked here, what advice you would give someone who's interested in getting started in real estate syndications, putting together syndication deals? Great question, Christina. And uh, what, what I, I think that there's a couple of different things I'd look at. First of all, I'd be very, I'd walk cautiously today. I see a lot of shades of 2007, 2008. We are going to have a housing crisis in this country. It will not be as drastic as it was, but, but the bottom's going to fall out. There's going to be a burst to this bubble. Um, we can't go on, you know, a long time like this. So just watch it. Will it affect the commercial industry? Uh, I don't think as much as it did last time. Now, I'm not an economist, but I just want people to, to pay attention. Listen to everything you can listen to right now. Make your own choices and decisions. If you're going into syndication business, I would go into the syndication business in markets that have high rent growth and have high population migration right now. I wouldn't be investing in markets that are um, average or anywhere below average trying to speculate on the come because I don't think it's going to come. You need to be in markets like like I'm heavily vested in Tampa, South okay. Central Florida right now. Um, I'm heavily, you know, we're heavily, heavily looking at Dallas, Houston right now. Markets that we have, you know, why are people moving to those markets? Quality of life. Uh, they're moving their taxes, Low taxes, right? You know, um, red versus blue in some cases. So, you know, they're, you know, so, so just pay attention to where you're investing, make sure you underwrite conservatively. You know, I said, you know, five mistakes I made, right? I grew too fast. I was undercapitalized. I was over leveraged. I didn't pay attention to the details and I didn't listen to people around me when they said, I don't trust your partner. It's not, not that it was all his fault because I broke the law. I made my own choices and decisions. But, you know, there were other things that happened. And, and I just don't go into those because I don't need to throw anybody under the bus. So underwrite cautiously. I'm underwriting differently today. I'm looking at deals at 65% loan to value versus 75%. Um, I'm looking at, at increased in interest rates. I'm looking at low rent growth. I'm looking at higher uh, terminal cap rates. So, you know, what are your standards? What are you, what's negotiable and non-negotiable for you? Take a close look at that. 
Um, if you don't have standards in place, I would sit down and say, you know, what are my buying standards? What are my exit standards? You know, uh, build an exit plan. I, you know, I think there's a lot there to that answer. I don't think it's just one thing, you know, but it's a lot to think about. So. And how, how did you go about raising capital from people? Because that's a huge part of, of syndicating deals, right? Is, is raising money uh, yeah. from people that are not necessarily your, your best friends or family members, right? I mean, they're, they're in many cases strangers. So you, you put an ad out originally, um, but you know, how else have you gone about raising money from people that you don't necessarily know very well? So I, I used to run that ad all the time. It was just a small little classified ad. And what I did was I funneled people uh, to a seminar that I did twice a week. So I would bring investors to my office. I'd put 20 new faces on Tuesday and Thursday night in my office at dinner time uh, for a 40 minute presentation. I taught from the principles and I taught out of Gary Keller's book, Think, um, the Millionaire Real Estate Investor, and I taught those fundamental principles. And at the end of my 45-minute presentation, I'd go, oh, by the way, we have this deal we're doing. And that's how I raised money. I also did some events. So there was a very large uh, networking event that happened once a month in my market. It was a, you know, 500 people would show up on a Sunday night to go to a real estate investment seminar mm -hmm. uh, event. It was an exchange and I'd have a table there. And I'd talk to people about property management and I talked to people about syndications. And also during that time, Donald Trump used to have these events. They were real estate events. He only did it for a couple of years. They were weekend events. He did them in LA, Dallas, Chicago, and New York. And we did the, the uh, LA and Dallas and Chicago events twice, uh, one one year, one each one the next year. Cost me about $30,000 for each one of those events. Wow. But I raised $18 million in 30 months. And I think most of my people came from those events. So here's the short. The short is that we are in a relationship business. You have to be right. out there every single day building relationships with people. You can't go to people and say, hey, Brian, you know, I got this great deal. Do you want to invest in it? You have to go to Brian and say, hey, Brian, listen, how do I add value to your life? What can I do to help lift you up, to build your world, to help you grow? And, and you know, I say that and, and I don't want it to come across as like a sales thing, right? That's who I am. I mean, yeah, I, you have to give first. Yeah. Uh, if if yeah. you want to win people's trust and respect. And I, 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 that's a core value of mine. I've always been like that. But I'm more like that today than I ever was before. But that's always been a core value of mine. I read a book a long time ago by Dale Carnegie, uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People. Yeah, Probably awesome. one of the greatest books ever written, right? And, you know, it just how do we go out there and build relationships? But one of the things, one of the first lessons that I teach my coaching clients is, is you have to be out every single day building relationships with people. So just to clarify, um, the people that you raise money with for these syndication deals, these are accredited investors only, not retail investors? 
Now, back then, uh, you know, the way we raised money was under what's called Blue Sky. It was an exemption. And that Blue Sky exemption allowed us to bring in non-accredited up to a certain amount. So, yeah, we, we would bring non-accreds into our deals as well as accredited investors. Um, today, I'm doing a deal. It's a 506B. Um, so, you know, we have, have a little bit more of that flexibility for a non-accredited investor in there, too. So. The last what up to up to thirty five non accredited investors, but don't they have to be sophisticated? Uh, yeah, I think it's up to thirty eight. Um, yeah, I'm I'm not one hundred percent sure. You might be right. So, um, yeah. So just for the audience, for anyone who's not familiar with that terminology, an accredited investor is a wealthy investor, someone with a net worth over a million dollars uh, or income over two hundred thousand dollars for each of the last two years, or three hundred thousand if you're married. Um, right. Right. Right, well, Mike, before we wrap up, I want to talk about what you're doing today with MyCoreIntentions.com. Uh, so you know, tell us a little about what, what your company does, how you help people, um, and, and what you're up to, and how people can connect with you. Yeah, so thank you. I appreciate that. So first of all, I'd like to, you know, if anybody wants my book, go download it. It's um, You can go to my website at MyCoreIntentions.com forward slash exit plan. And I wrote the book because I think there's so many great trainers and teachers out there. And, and they all teach you how to find a deal, buy a deal, and operate a deal. Nobody teaches us how to get out. And I always wanted to teach people how to get out. So I'm in the coaching and training business. I, a couple of my core beliefs are teach people how to exit, teach people how to underwrite. Those are two things that I'm really good at and I work with people on. And, of course, relationship building and locating and finding deals and, and all the other stuff that needs to go into building a successful business. Um, I wind up partnering with some of my coaching clients and I only take on a few coaching clients that I personally work with throughout the year. Um, but I'm a hands-on in the trenches right alongside you kind of investor. Uh, you know, I have an underwriter that works with us to help underwrite deals that we're working on. And we are, are looking at deals all the time. If we find a deal, we're going to try and find one of our coaching clients to partner with. Um, I actually just went back in the property management business with a coaching client of mine who had been after me for a while. So okay. we're, we're, you know, I'm coaching and training. I'm in the syndication business, uh, raising capital for our deals, and I'm in the management business. So, Well, you know, one of the things that I'm, I'm sure you found is that when you have when you're so involved in so many different people's lives within this industry, you just can't help but come across good deals and other people who are looking to partner with you on good deals. So, you know, just, just being out there every day, like you said, in the trenches, you just can't help but, but, but find these deals and, and find people who are interested in doing these deals with you. So, yeah. you know, and that's, that's something that we have found at Spark Rental as well. You know, we, we, earlier this year, we started doing what we call co-investing deals where we let people partner with us on small single family rental deals, um, you know, deals that no one else is doing because, you know, there's, there's not enough money in it for the, the person who organizes the deal. We don't structure them as a syndication, but it's a similar concept where, you know, we have junior investors who are partnering with us, uh, you know, for fractional ownership of deals, but there's such small deals that, you know, there's not a ton of, there's no money in it for us, um, but it's, but it's fun. And it, and it showed, we get to show people the behind the scenes of real estate investing for their first deal. Um, 
so that they can then go out and, and do the same on their own. Um, and it, you know, it sounds like you're doing a similar thing just on a much larger scale, you know, with, with large multifamily deals instead of these, you know, small, uh, single family rentals, but yeah, yeah just, just being out there. Um, and I guess where, where I was going with that is that because we are working with people every day in this space, we end up coming across good deals, people who want to partner on good deals. Um, you know, obviously people who fund and finance these deals, um, and you know, just being involved in the industry, you can't help but have these opportunities come your way. So, yeah, for, sure. for sure, well spoken, well spoken. And by the way, you guys, I put a link in the comments to uh, mycoreintentions.com/slash/exitplan, and we'll put that in the show notes as well for anyone listening to the, the podcast recording. Um, Mike, do you have any final thoughts or tips or lessons that you want to share before we call this episode complete? Um, you know, I, I, uh, I just want, want people, you know, I come from an old carpenter mentality, um, measure twice, cut once, right. you know, make sure, make sure your underwriting is good. Make sure your, your rent comps are solid. Know why you used a rent comp when you are comparing rental bumps, rental increases. Don't just arbitrarily say, I think because, you know, make sure you look at it. Um, I have a great, you know, uh, underwriting tool that that we've built over 20 years um, and it's a very sensitive analysis and when you do a sensitivity test or or a what if test I, I'm a big what if guy right what if this happens what if I buy it at this price what if the cap rate does this so I, I want to ask those questions people tell me sometimes man you ask so many questions but you know what I think those are what gets us to the to the answer right is the deal worth doing so, um, you know, just walk cautiously if you need, uh, if you need uh, help or accountability, uh, reach out to somebody, you know, um, I'm in the coaching business, but, you know, I'm also open to networking. Call me, email me. I mean, I love conversations with people. I love to build relationships. So never know where it'll go. So. Absolutely. Well, two other quick notes on that are related to your point. Um, one is we added a link to our free rental property calculator uh, for cash flow that I added to the, the links there. Uh, use that to run the numbers and help you underwrite. Um, and you know, to Mike's point, it never hurts to get a second opinion from another real estate investor to just get a fresh set of eyes from someone who knows what they're doing. Uh, you know, whether that is Mike himself or just someone else you know in the industry, uh, you can always email me as well or, or Denny. Um, but a second set of eyes on a deal, you know, it takes you five minutes to get that second opinion, but that five minutes can save you tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars down the road. So, yeah, and, and here, don't ever be afraid to pick the phone up, right? I, this community, for as big as it is and as small as it is, people love to share. Here, yeah. I, I came home from prison in 2020. I didn't know anybody in the business anymore. My whole world was fractured and fall apart. And I put on a live three-day event. I have 20 speakers from around the country that come to this platform and speak. And I don't know any of them. So I reached out to people and started building relationships and said, hey, I'm going to do this event. And they were more than willing to do that. But these are people now that, that are friends of mine that I can reach out to. Brian, if I had a question, I could call you and ask you. I mean, Absolutely. that's how this, that's how this community works, right? So 
I want people to know that uh, don't sit on the sidelines and not make decisions or make irrational decisions because you were afraid to call somebody or reach out. Yeah. And, you know, if there's been one recurring theme of, of this conversation that we've had, it's relationships yeah. and how, you know, no matter what industry you're in, um, the real estate investing industry is, is just like all the rest where your relationships matter and your network really does determine your net worth. So on that note, Mike, thank you so much for joining us today. This was a fantastic conversation, very educational um, and obviously deeply personal. So thank you so much for, for sharing and being so transparent with us. Yeah. Hey, Brian, I just want people to know if they want to reach out to me, I'm everywhere on social media. So wherever you hang out and get your fix, uh, you'll find me or my core intentions there as well as, you know, hey, direct message me at Mike at my core intentions. So. Well, Mike, thank you so much again. And uh, we will look forward to having you back on the show sometime soon. Thanks, Brian. All right, everyone. Have a great week. And we will see you next Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern. Bye now. Did you know we offer a free eight-video course on how to reach financial independence with real estate? It's super bingeable with each video around 10 minutes long, but packed with information. Visit sparkrental.com slash learn for instant access. And please don't forget to rate and review our podcasts on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. Thanks for joining us. And we will catch you on the flip side.